as adults, we sadly restrict a lot of our growth and progress by overanalyzing and overthinking. Ignorance is a beauty. And I'm telling you now, my wife says that my superpower is ignorance. <laughs> Entrepreneurs, if you're really successful, then there is a large gene in you of ignorance because you can't see it's going to fail. You can't see it's not going to work. So you focus and you push on with uh, power and passion and prayer. And nine times out of 10, believe it or not, that will get past any obstacle. Welcome back to the Max Out Show, where I'm on a mission to help you max out every aspect of your life. Today's guest is none other than the real-life wizard of Oz, Steve Sims. Born into a family of bricklayers, Steve has used his ability to break down walls to make them possible, possible over and over again. As the founder of Bluefish, Steve makes once-in-a-lifetime experiences happen for the rich and famous around the world whether it's getting married by the Pope, meeting Elon Musk, or diving to Titanic. So Steve, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Hi. I'm super excited to have you. And I want to start off with one insight from your book, book Blue Fishing, that I think really underlies your whole approach to life, which is this idea that the bricks that hold us back in lives are not, you know, the external physical walls, but oftentimes those, those bricks that we lay inside our heads, those belief systems, the excuses, and all of that. So can you tell us a little bit about breaking down those internal walls? So I was very lucky in the fact that I wasn't very educated. And it was strange to be able to look on that as a positive. And it took me quite a few years to realize what a positive it was. But as we grow up, we gather information and we, we fine tune our reactions based on what we learn at school, what our parents talk about. If our parents are listening to nothing but opera, we may hate it, <laughs> but we have an appreciation and an understanding and an education on opera. And if someone then introduced us to Metallica, we would be like, what the hell is that? You know, it, would be <laughs> such a, it would be such a contrast. So as we grew up, um, I grew up in East London. My family were bricklayers, as you mentioned. They didn't have any education either. So they had nothing to impart on me from that context. We also, in the 80s, we didn't have internet. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have any of these abilities to be able to peer into the world of someone else. So as I grew up, I literally didn't know what a Ferrari was. Wow, yeah. I didn't know what a Lamborghini was. I had on my parents' radar. Therefore, it was never on you know, any kind of conversation around the dinner table. So as I grew up, not knowing those things gave me the ability to not be frightened of them. So when wow. I suddenly went to London and you know, walking around London, I remember walking into Versace and just going, bloody hell, this stuff is, you know, it's, it's bright colors and I don't like this. <laughs> I was able to make an opinion based on my, my opinion rather than the perception that, oh, the rich people, you know, wear Versace. And a lot of people now, we do things, and especially we buy things for your benefit. You know, if I'm yeah. trying to impress you, I may have a fancy car. 
I may wear a fancy watch. You know, I may um, just start the, the, the story with you about how, well, I was in Monaco last week and where do you, you know, you do all of these things for other people's benefit. I didn't, I didn't understand that. I hadn't been introduced to that uh, level of bullshit that was required to ourselves. And there's the key thing. You're bullshitting yourself that it matters. Um, so as I grew up, people were saying, oh, you know, I can't get into this party. And I'd be like, well, why can't you? You know, and I would just go and get in. And the funny thing is, when you walk up to the door with, um, and people could call it confidence, but I would call it um, lack of intimidation. You know, I'd walk up yeah. to the door and of course everyone's intimidated to walk into this private party in Mayfair or Monaco or Macau or something like that. I'd just walk straight up to the door and I'd go, evening gents, and just walk in. <laughs> and, and like you belong. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. You walked in like you belong because it didn't intimidate you. Now, the funny thing is, as years go on, I actually did get intimidated. And, I, and then I started looking back going, oh, my God, I can't believe I've gotten to these places. And I had that <laughs> moment of self-doubt. But in the early days, I would say the benefit for me was the fact that I never had any fear of it, just like a child, because I'd never been taught to be intimidated by it. So that was a, that was a lucky thing for me. Yes, that is so interesting. So then once you realized you started sort of feeling intimidated later on, did you go back to sort of reversing that and, and, and getting bad in this old childish mode? Like, how did you sort of learn to switch that again? Yeah. So I started off, funny enough, I was a doorman of a nightclub and I started to see all of these people. You know, I knew guys that would literally, their apartment was just down the road from the club, but they would get into the Ferrari and drive it outside <laughs> the club, even though the engine hadn't even got worn. They hadn't yeah. even got out of first gear, but they had done it to impress everyone at the front. Now I'm thinking, well, that's bloody... Stupid, you know, you're just looking at it as a, well, that was a silly thing. They were seeing a lot of value in it. So the job of being a doorman gave me all of this ability to be a, uh, um, a great therapist. I, I got to see the world of bullshit. Um, <laughs> and I then started getting these people into clubs. I then started throwing my own parties, giving them what they wanted. I then started getting people into award shows, sport events. So I became this guy that if you wanted to get into the, the Monaco Formula One with Prince Albert, if you wanted to get into the, the biggest music party in Hollywood, or if you wanted to have a private uh, house in Macau, I was the guy you came to because I, I knew what you wanted. I knew that you were looking for something over the top, ostentatious, and also something that you could show off to with your friends. So... I knew how to get people in there because it wasn't scaring me. Um, but as I grew up and then I suddenly thought to myself, just one day, I thought, ooh, I ride around on a motorcycle, which I do. I don't have a car. I ride motorcycles all the time. And I thought to myself, I don't even have a car. Surely people are looking at me funny. And all of a sudden, you start questioning yourself. Um, and I did the worst thing. I sold out. I bought a car. I bought suits. I bought an expensive watch. And then I realized that these, it was almost like wearing a backpack of bricks. You know, <laughs> I felt kind of constricted. Like I'm always in a black t-shirt. Okay. 
Um, I love wearing black t-shirts and leather jackets. I like wearing a nice suit to go out with my wife, but when I'm doing it for your pleasure, I felt constricted. I felt weighed down. I felt stiff. And so I wasn't moving as I normally would. Um, and strangely, the people that I had great connection with, because I was now moving differently and appearing differently, I lost the connection with them. And I was gaining connection from people that saw value in these bullshit trinkets. <laughs> and, you know, they would want to do business with me because I was wearing a $50,000 watch. Or that want to do business with me because I'm now driving a Ferrari or they'd want to do business with me because they saw me on a yacht and they weren't they didn't want to do business with Steve Sims they wanted to do business with these these artifacts around me these these trinkets um so I actually started losing the connection with my clients and I realized that I didn't actually like the people I was dealing with now because oh. all they wanted to do was show off. And if I didn't have a yacht, they wouldn't turn up. If I said, hey, let's meet in a pub and have a couple of beers, they wouldn't be there. But if I had a yacht, they're already there. So I came for a year around the award show. Uh, I get so many of my, in quotes, friends contact me going, hey, Steve, I'm in the area. Hey, if there's an Oscar ticket you need someone to go with, you know, I'll do it. As long as you're in favor. But yeah. every year, and I joke, I always say, oh, I'll speak to all you guys next year. I won't speak to you during the year. I'll speak with you next year when you want to bloody, you know, float on my coattails. So I was very fortunate to be able to notice that and realize it. And I backpedaled. I woke up one morning. I went, screw this. I literally sold the car uh, or put it into a garage. Uh, I got rid of the car. Um, I put the suits in the thing, sold the watch. Um, don't have a watch uh, on now. It was just that kind of thing. I just managed to realize before it was too late yeah this is so important i think this idea of authenticity speaks in everything that you do in your book blue fishing right you just talk about this concept over and over again and i've i've realized this in my own life right that like only when you're willing to be authentic and i think this isn't just about you know the, the financial aspect and whatever but even if you're willing to show your own personality right like i i used to be the super shy little kid right and once i was willing to sort of get out of my own shell and show people like, hey, this is who I am and those are the weird things about me and all that. All of a sudden, people could relate with me. And all of a sudden, I made friends that actually, you know, now will hopefully last a lifetime because now I'm able to build a connection with those kind of people. And so I love what he's saying here about this, this being willing to be you, even if maybe financially it may cost you something or you may lose some quote-unquote friends. Yeah, I want to argue with you there. Um... Oh, yes, please. I hate the word authenticity. I, I absolutely, it, it disgusts me and makes me kind of get all a bit feisty. Um, when we turn around and we go, hey, look at that guy. He's so authentic. In essence, you're acknowledging that the rest of the planet is not. And that annoys me, okay? Um, I don't think I'm authentic. I think I'm transparent. I think I'm very easy to understand. You look at me and you go, well, this is who he is. This is what he does. This is as good as he gets, you know, and I'm transparent. And here's the funny thing, and I'll give it to you in a story. I work with a lot of very powerful people in the planet. Some of them, some of them own companies, some of them own banks, some of them are uh, recording artists, film actors. And what happens is whenever I'm with them in a public environment, people start coming over, okay? And whoever I'm with, 
seizes up. They literally start kind of seizing up because in their head, they're going, what does this person want? Do they want a selfie? Do they want to quote lines to me from a movie I was in? Do they want to try and sell me something? Do they want me to endorse something? You know, what are they after? Okay. And when you're constantly in that state of mind, you give off this very um, precocious aura. And a lot of people go, oh, celebrities, oh, you know, they think they're better. Most of them are scared because they've lost the ability to communicate because the people that are communicating with them are only after one thing. And here's the downside. They want to know what's going on, just like us. You know, if someone walks up to me, if I phone you tomorrow night at seven o'clock, before you've answered the phone, you can guarantee one thing. I want something. You can guarantee. If your mum phones you tomorrow night at seven o'clock, you can guarantee she wants something. Now, she may want just a chat. She may want you to come over and help with the shower. You know, she may want you to help mow the lawn. You know, whatever it is. But you can be guaranteed of this because they reached out to you. Okay, all you've got to do is find out what's up. And then when someone turns around and goes, oh, I was only phoning up for a chat, it lowers your guard and you now know what's needed. Or she says, oh, you know, the car's broke down. I need someone to help me get to the shops. Okay, when you know what's going on, you're calm. And so with me, when you meet me and I walk up to you and I go, hey, how you doing? My name's Steve Sims. We've never met before. It's an obvious statement, but it works very well. We've never met before, but I believe you're working on this project and I've got a way that I can actually treble your profits in it. Would it be of interest to continue the conversation? They know what I'm doing. I've made it completely clear who I am. I've made it completely clear that they've never met me before. I'm not trying to do the, hey, we met five years ago. How are you yeah. doing at a bar? You don't remember me? That bullshit, if you state the obvious, it actually calms people down. And we can say about this today, we're in a state of panic because of the coronavirus. Now, we're not, no one here believes that the coronavirus is going to last long, okay? We've got the greatest medical heads in the planet that are actually going out there. We know that 90% of people are pretty much safe but we're just trying to protect the elderly and those with the damaged immune system. But we're making progress, but we can't see how well that progress is. We don't have an end date. If I said to you, hey, the coronavirus is going to be finished in three weeks' time on a Tuesday at 2 p.m., <laughs> you would feel comfortable because you know when it's ending. Do you know what your head would start doing then? You'd start thinking, well, okay, what can I do between then? How can I maximize my time? You may start reading. You may start studying. You may start learning an instrument going, hey, I've got three weeks yeah. to learn how to play this banjo, okay? You would now have a timeline and you would not sit around panicking. But there's a lot of people sitting around panicking. They know it's not going to last forever. We know that it's probably going to be on an old news in, in summer. We know it's going to be around for a few months, but rather than focusing on how you can benefit now from this, you want to panic and run around. And anytime anyone's panicking and running around, they're not doing anything. I spoke to a client of mine in Ukraine. 
he owns this massive great um manufacturing plant and i'll be completely honest with you i don't know what it manufactures <laughs> and i'm not sure i want to ask what it manufactures <laughs> okay. but i was chatting with him the other day and i said to him i said uh, you know how are you doing you know because all businesses have stopped it doesn't matter if you own a nightclub a restaurant or you own a car manufacturer or a suit company every manufacturing or every company in the planet has basically halted apart from a few of them have basically stopped and i said this to him i said how are you keeping on he said oh we're good we're good and i said so what are you doing then he said we've torn the plant down and Whoa. i said what do you mean you've torn the plant down he said well our machines have been in operation and he said something like since 1983 okay <laughs> they've been in constant operation one machine may close down and we replace it with a new one or we repair it but all the other machines are going so our fact since 1983 he said this gave me a phenomenal excuse to turn all the machines off and service them all Whoa. so when i get back i haven't got a service for another 20 years <laughs> so he's he's taking the chance to do it now what's also happening is as entrepreneurs we're on a very very fast train ride we're we're moving at 200 mile an hour okay we're always doing things we're always looking at opportunities but we never look down and we never look inward okay so i've been doing this with the clients i've been teaching i've been doing this on simsdistillery.com i'm actually training the people that follow me to look down and look in okay refine that service that so that when we get over this and we know we will you're going to be like a fine-tuned athlete if you imagine that you've never worked out and i said to you hey you've got nothing to do for four months and you went all right i'm gonna start working now okay imagine what you would look like at the end of those four months okay imagine if you started learning a language but a lot of people and i know we've gone slightly off tag but a lot of people are focused on confusion and panic and that's where the, going back to the word auth authenticity people put on authenticity you know you get people go out there now and they go on stage and they swear they go oh f this f that and people go oh he's so real he's so raw he's so authentic no he's not he put that on because it makes you think he's authentic or the people that come out and they go hey i want to hear about your problems what's real to you again an act okay but if you go out there and you go hey i could do shit this is what i do if it works for you great if it doesn't work move along we'll all be fine that's transparency and i would love a world of more transparency and less authenticity all right, you definitely got to be convinced. So let's talk about uh, transparency from now on. <laughs> but uh, what you said before about this, this proactive approach to, to using this pandemic, I absolutely love that. And, you know, I've, I've seen so many workout groups over the last couple of days, like just yep. rise amongst my friend group and everything. You know, people coming together, doing like these home workouts over Skype and stuff. And, and I love that, right? Because it's such a good way to use this time now where there's not much, you know, social stuff going on. So you have... You know, a bunch more free time actually right now I've found to, to really pursue this, this inner mastery, this looking inward, like you say, and, 
and you know whether it's meditating or exercising so so what are some things maybe you can suggest for people during this time to to really stay strong and come back stronger afterwards so the funny thing is and i actually posted a video about this today on my my linkedin and instagram and facebook okay but i'm not steve sims well, Steve D. Sims, S-I-M-S, is only one in M, uh, one M in Sims. I'm, a, I'm very easy to find, but I posted a video today on uh, social distancing, okay, and uh, why you should hate it. But in the video I posted, I explained that this is nothing new. We've been socially distancing ourselves from people for the last 15 years. Yeah. You know, prior to that, if I wanted to talk to you, I'd pick up the phone. I'd arrange to have a coffee with you. We'd meet face to face. We'd chat in the park. You know, we'd talk around a business table. We would communicate. Then things like Facebook and Twitter came along. And now you just go on Twitter and you go, it's a lovely day in my neighborhood. Put the phone down. You get on with your day. And then you go back at three o'clock to see how many likes you got on the comment. We're not communicating anymore. And we're sure as shit not connected anymore so now as soon as this happened and this is going to sound like bullshit financially i've been impacted like so many other people have okay socially i've been regenerated you see what i'm doing now is i'm phoning every single one of my clients i am phoning every single one of my prospects i facetime and i phone and i zoom and I Facebook Messenger, um, tons and tons, and WhatsApp for my overseas clients. I am contacting them all and just going, hey, how is this impacting you? And how can we make, how can we spend the next five minutes to make this one of the best moments of your grow, profit, or aid you? Now's the time you clean out. Okay. Wow. Look at your world. If you, for argument's sake, if you've got all of this software in your company, how much of it are you using? Okay. Every month we're moving so fast and it's $10 here and $15 here and $35 here. For a start, how many of those things are you using? Now, if you're saving $35 a month and it's making a big impact on your world, then you've got bigger problems than that $35. But the point is, Ten thirty-five dollars that starts to add up you know so look at the little things and start noticing do i use that and over the past year how did it aid grow or impact my life and if the answer is very little get rid of it if the answer is yes it does work and here's a real good tip and trick for you contact the company and ask for a discount code if you can pay for a year in advance. Mm. All companies are hurting for money at the moment. All companies are offering anything up to like, I had a, um, a motorcycle, a lock company. Um, there's this, I bought three at $25 each. <laughs> now I ride motorcycles and I bought the other two to send to clients and go, Hey, while you're riding your bike, now you can lock it up, okay? So you're focusing on the deals that can be had. I've gone to all the companies that I have, all of the software companies, and gone, hey, you know, tough times. It's probably impacting you as well. 
you know, are you doing anything on the monthlies? And they're going, well, we're not really. Some of them are going, well, we're delaying the payments for two months. And I'll say, well, look, let's play a different game. If I paid for a year up front, what discount could I get? And that coming back going, we'll give you a 50% discount. We'll give you a 60%. I've been spending money over the last two weeks. And last week, I bought, there was these cups that I really liked that I did an event in Vegas. And everyone loved the cups. And the cups were 25 bucks. And I contacted the company that made the cups and I bought a ton of them for $9 a cup. Okay. <laughs> so I'm saving money by buying things I already wanted. I'm also reading, like we do 40 minute book and we will literally at 1130, we'll all sit down in the house, all of us, me, my wife and my kids are here and we'll sit down and for 40 minutes, we'll read a book. Now, here's the dumb thing. I know so many authors, and I'm great friends from, you know, J. Virgin, J. Abraham, you know, a whole host of people that have written great books, Bill Hart, a ton of them. I never read the books. I never get the time. And I'm giving myself a chance just to read the book and to become a little bit smart myself. So we're doing that. I also bought a Peloton, okay? So I've got a Peloton bike in the house. I've increased my energy. Um, so all of these things in four months' time, three months, two months, and all of a sudden we're told that we can go out and play again and we can communicate with people. Well, for one, I've never stopped communicating. In fact, I communicate more now than I ever did. But the second that we get allowed back into the world, and I have an unfair advantage to hit the first corner before everyone else. You know, I love that because, yeah, I, I totally agree that by summertime, whenever, you know, it happens that we can go out again, there's going to be this massive difference, right, between the people like you that they are actually doing that stuff and the people that have just been sitting on Netflix, basically, and, you know, sleeping in and eating donuts for you know, every day oh, because Jesus. they're panicking so much. It really upsets me. Um, it really upsets me when the, the topic of your social feed is what should I binge watch on Netflix? <laughs> then you've lost the you life. Know, it, it, just, it, it, does, it does upset me. And I like a good program, but this is the time that we need to reset. This is the time this is the time that we need to refocus. Ask any of your friends and anyone listening to this, ask someone near you these questions. Do you think coronavirus is going to be here this time next year? 99% of them will be going like, no way, no way. We, are vi we got vaccines being developed now. We've got social distancing. It ain't going to be here next year. All right. Do you think it's going to be here by summer? Now, you may get some people going, no, I can't see it being here by summer. We may hit, feel some of the after effects in summer. But me personally, I think the restaurants are all back open. I think come summer, we're all back at it again. Okay? So if you have a rough idea that in summer you're going to be okay, shouldn't you be getting sharper now?
Yeah, absolutely love that. Uh, super important insight, I think, for anybody listening to this during these times. Now, I want to shift gears here a little bit and talk about goals. Because, I mean, the goals that you've achieved for, for yourself and for your clients are just absolutely mind-blowing. So what does that process look like for you? Like you have a client coming to you, you set a goal for yourself. How do you then think about or start to really, you know, brainstorm, like, how can I achieve that goal? Do you have a certain process that you go through? The process is a very strange one, okay? But this is what I do. The first thing I do is to action a millimeter of whatever the request is. Now, a lot of people, whether it be your goal or whether it be a client's goal, they plan everything in advance. They orchestrate and they work out what's necessary, what does it look like for the client or you to achieve your goal. Well, you don't need to because you already had that vision at the beginning. If you want to get slimmer, fine. You haven't got to work, know what your workout schedule is because as everyone knows, the fitter you get, the workout schedule changes. All you've got to do the first day that you decide this is where you want to be or this is what you want to achieve for the client is do the first millimeter of action. I had a client that wanted to get married in the Vatican by the Pope, okay? I don't know the Pope. I didn't know anyone in the Vatican, but I did know people in Italy. Now, what would have been the point of me calling someone in New York? There would have been no point. So for that reason, I contacted people in Italy and I went, hey, do you know anyone in the Vatican? I made one small step. There was a motorcycle that I wanted to buy. And it was a very rare motorcycle called a Ducati Hailwood. And I thought to myself, I'm going to buy that. Within the next hour, I had found uh, the key ring, the key fob of the original Ducati Hailwoods. And I purchased a key fob for $16. <laughs> I had wow. taken the first step to ownership of my bike by purchasing the key fob of which the key would hang on. So every time I do anything, I go, okay, what is the smallest step I can get or that I can take to get me one millimeter closer to my goal? And that's how I do. I'm, I'm afraid I am terrible at planning because anyone that was launching a business last November, please send me that business plan and I will give you a million dollars if it actually allows in the business plan for a worldwide pandemic <laughs> that would cause your restaurant to shut down. The fact is, we don't know what's going to go on. I guarantee you Kodak, well, we know for a fact it had no idea it was going to be put out of business. We had no idea Toys of Us would be put out of business. We had no idea that Amazon, the biggest bookseller in the planet, would become the biggest shopping mall in the planet. You know, we had no idea of those things. They happened, they grew, they evolved. So writing a business plan, I always say, never write a business plan on anything bigger than one piece of paper because you have no idea what's coming up next Tuesday. You have no idea what you need to pivot and how you need to change and adapt. 
Yeah, I love that because it speaks again to this this point you made before about dealing with uncertainty, right? Like right now, we don't know how long we're going to stay inside, but life still has to keep going, right? You can't give up. You can't just sit there and you know, wallow in, in tears and be like, I don't know what's going to happen, right? You have to take proactive steps and dealing with that situation. So, but then how do you, how do you approach, you know, goals that, that take a longer time? Because there are certain goals in life that, that just take, you know, like your company, for example. How do you sort of approach that with, with this mindset of always taking the next step? Uh, I go with the baby steps. You know, people say, you know, how do you eat an elephant inch by inch? You really need to look at what the smallest, like if you want to reach the top of the uh, Mount Everest, the first thing you've got to do is reach first camp. You've got to get to the base of Everest. Um, it's pointless walking up Kilimanjaro. You've got to get to the base of Everest. Mm. So anything you're trying to do, and this is where it comes back to the beginning of the conversation about the ignorance factor. If you say to your little kids, hey, do you want to go and do this? Nine times out of 10, they'll start running to the car or they'll start running to the playground to do it. Because they're going in a forward motion to be in the location where what they want to do is going to happen. As adults, we sadly restrict a lot of our growth and progress by overanalyzing and overthinking. Ignorance is a beauty. And I'm telling you now, my wife says that my superpower is ignorance. <laughs> Entrepreneurs, if you're really successful then there is a large gene in you of ignorance because you can't see it's going to fail. You can't see it's not going to work. So you focus and you push on with uh, power and passion and prayer. And nine times out of 10, believe or not, that will get past any obstacle. So I believe that what you should do is if you want to do something, if you want to do something for your client, the first thing you should do is stop thinking. Start doing. Just one thing. A client comes to you and says, hey, I want to do this. All right, let me get back to you. What's the millimeter I need to do that's going to get me a millimeter closer? And then what do you do? You do another millimeter. And when you do two steps forward, that's called momentum. And once you've created momentum, you will get to what you want to get. Now, here's the daft thing. I joke that I've never given a client what they asked for because in that momentum in getting them towards what their goal is, you quite often see another angle, which is far superior. You quite often see something that can be achieved either better, more economically or more impactfully. So you change trajectory, which again is why doing a business plan is a bad thing because a business plan doesn't allow for pivot and pivot especially today is the key word you need to get tattooed on your forehead. Wow. That is so powerful. I love this idea, especially of ignorance, right? Of developing deliberately this ignorance in our life so we can actually move towards our goals. Cause I think one of the things that holds people back more than anything else is like, they're afraid, right? They're afraid of like, what if this fails and I look stupid or, you know, I, I don't achieve that goal and what, what people are going to think or whatever it is. So I love this point that you're making about deliberately developing ignorance in our lives and just, taking this, the smallest step that we can find. So one of the things that, that I noticed studying you was you seem to build your life around these ideas of 
euphoria and passion, actually being in love with life. And you make choices, even difficult choices that, that basically bring you those things in your life. So can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, finding and, and living with that passion on a daily basis? Yeah, it's, it's, I think you may have put it on a pedestal too much. Um, you know, people go, oh, how do you live with that passion? How do you, I just live and the passion just happens to be there. Uh, if you enjoy what you're doing and bearing in mind, you know, we can all look at our Instagram profile and think our life's perfect, but every now and then the shit hits the fan. You know, I had a massive deal last year. There was about two and a half million, about half that amount of money. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. Now, luckily, I found a way of millimeter by millimeter getting out of it. And then we came into this year, and now we're in a pandemic. So everyone's life is not perfect. Perfection doesn't exist, but everyone needs to do. And sadly, not everyone does. So in my life, I wake up in the morning, and I am, I am motivated by fear. See, if you, if you walk up to a bunch of people, and I've done this exercise in a, in a, a room when I gave a speech, you walk on stage and you say, hey, run out the back door. There are 10 of my staff with a suitcase with a million dollars in each suitcase. Go and get rich. <laughs> a lot of the audience won't move. <laughs> if they're leaning against the back door, they may push the back door open just to see if I'm full of lies or not. But I guarantee you, maybe two people walk out that back door. Maybe. <laughs> okay. But if you walk on stage and you say one word, fire, oh. everyone will run out of the room. Why? Because we run away from pain faster than we run towards opportunity. Now, me, I've now become used to that pain and used to that fear that I don't want to be where I am today tomorrow. So th this is what I do. I literally look at it and I think to myself, okay, I'm having a great time at the moment. Deals are going well, deals are going wrong. You know, it's my life. Everything's where it is now. In a month's time, the definition of hell would be in the same place that I am today. Even though today it's great, if I'm, in the exact same place next month i haven't grown i haven't tried new things that's why i do a lot of podcasts that's why i do a lot of uh investing in myself and self-education that's why i do a lot of a lot of things that just challenge me to do differently there's um there's a, a radio program i think it's called um intune or itune or so intune i think it is and it's a radio program a radio software for all the radio stations all over the world, okay? Every now and then I'll sit down and just randomly pick the, just the craziest uh, radio station from somewhere in the planet. And I've had like Afghanistan, China, K-pop. The other week I had um, Netherlands um, uh, electronic dance music, EDM, <laughs> okay? 
Now, I, I could never tell you if I liked Netherlands electronic dance music, you know, until I had spent an hour listening to it. Wow. And then it made me, it made me understand that I bloody hate Netherlands <laughs> electronic dance music. But I'm now qualified to be able to tell you I don't like that. And so I will try and read a book. I will try and watch a movie. I will try and watch a documentary. I will try and study something online. I love listening to influencers. Not because I pretend, um, think they're brilliant. There are some guys that I think are fantastic that I listen to absolutely everything they say. And there are other influencers that I think are a great deal of horseshit. But I want to know what is it that you're trying to do? You know, what are you trying to perpetuate? What are you trying to profit from? How are you trying to make impact? A lot of influencers are only trying to impact their bank balance. And you can see it. But it's good to actually watch it and understand and see how they work to get the fear installed to get you to part with the money. So I love educating myself. I like challenging myself. And here's a little thing for you. Here's a little exercise that all of you can do. The next time you go to a restaurant, instead of ordering the appetizer, which is usually the cheapest part of the meal, instead of ordering the, ordering the appetizer that you usually have, order the craziest appetizer on the menu. Ooh. This makes it even more fun if you're in like a Japanese restaurant and you can't speak Japanese and you just go, what the hell's that? I'll order that. <laughs> what happens is two things happen. You end up trying things that you never normally would have tried. But what this does to your intelligence, what this does to your head, is it gets your head ready to accept doing things differently. Now, if you can go to a store or to a, a restaurant and order an appetizer that you've never heard of before, all of a sudden, you're lowering your fear barrier. And so you're trying different things for different response, for different interaction. You can never go back. Once you get used to trying different things, music, books, movies, um, even, even arguing with someone, if someone's got a point of view, challenge them. Why is that point of view so important to you? Why do you believe this is the way it should be done? Now, you may not agree with them, but you will learn a lot from their positioning, their mentality, their, um, their difference in the way they grew up and how they learned these things, that you can at least acknowledge and understand where they're coming from, even if you don't agree with it. But you will grow and learn how to understand and relate even with people you don't agree with. So I'm a great believer that we should do things in our life. And again, you have this opportunity now you've never done before. You know, Steve, this is so interesting. There's so many super powerful tips packed in here. And we discussed a lot of things today in this podcast. If you could give our listeners just one challenge to take home today to start knocking down walls in their lives and achieve their goals, what would be that one thing? So usually the thing that we avoid is the thing we need to do most. 
Um, it's also the thing that scares us. Again, is the thing that we need to do most. So you should challenge yourself. If you're thinking, oh, I need to lose weight. The second the breath comes out of your mouth, once you finish that word, put your sneakers on and go for a long walk. Again, what's the first millimeter you can do that's going to create momentum to achieving your goals? I want to be different. Order different food. Watch a different TV station. Listen to different music. Educate your body that it's okay to look, feel, and experience things that you've not experienced, looked, and felt before. Train your head the difference is okay. A lot of people are scared of difference. I, I hear people, when a new car comes out, and people go, oh, I don't like that. I don't like the look of that new car. People don't like change. So get used to accepting it. A friend of mine once said, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes, love that. Now, before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you online? Ah, oh, it's easy. Um, stevedsims.com. And again, there's uh, D for dog and Sims has got only one M. Uh, stevedsims.com. But you can find me on Instagram under stevedsims. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn everywhere. I've got a free Facebook page called An Entrepreneur's Advantage with Steve Sims. Or if you're really ready to get smart, jump over to simsdistillery.com where I do two live uh, Zoom calls a month um, and I answer tons of questions and I work very closely with my distillery members. So that's at simsdistillery.com. Perfect. Now my final question is, what does it mean for you to max out your life? I think that would be the worst thing that ever happened. Yes. Um, it's like when you talk to someone and they go, oh, I've traveled everywhere. <laughs> I hope I never, ever say that. And I don't ever want to hit the full max. I want to constantly try and get as much as I can out of life, but I never want to achieve everything. Otherwise, what's there to, to go for? Um, I have one goal and one dream. And they always say that when you die, your life flashes before you. Okay, when I die and my life flashes before me, I want it to be so jam packed that there's an intermission for popcorn in the middle. 